When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. No problem. Uh. You are now listening to The Reality Is. The Reality Is. This is Anthony Roberts, host of the Reality Is podcast, where filtering becomes extinct alongside my co-host, Artesia. Today's episode of the Reality Is is brought to you by Spreaker, so listen to the world's trendiest podcast or create your own on Spreaker. The Reality Is is powered by Roberts Media Group. For more programming and advertising opportunities, please visit www.robertsmediagroup.co. All right, so today, this is our second interview of the day. Season 12 started January 5th. We've been telling you guys about it. And on this second episode, we have Cameron Glover. How you doing today, Cameron? I'm doing good. How are y'all doing? Is it Cameron That's what or I was about Cameron? To That's what I was about to ask you. <laughs> I, okay, so I I always thought that, like, I, everybody pronounced it like me. I grew up pronouncing it Cameron. Cameron um, okay. But I answered. Yeah, but I answer to both. I mean, like, I'm not particular about it. I just, it's so funny because only in the last few years I realized that, like, oh, people pronounce it differently. Yeah, okay. I'm big <laughs> on pronunciation because my name is different, Artesia. So mm-hmm. anytime somebody gets that wrong, it, it just makes my skin crawl. Yeah. And yeah. for me, from the ages oh. of 9 to 18, I used to want my name to be Cameron, but spelled like the Dipset rapper Cameron. Oh because oh I, my God. Yeah, because I loved him and I loved his music. So I was like, yo, I want, I'm going to change my name to Cameron when I turn 18. I'm glad you didn't do that. If I had a quarter every, like, all the Cameron jokes. Yeah. Sure <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're in sex education. Like I said, Artesia has been the one that you've been mm-hmm. um, far as your point of contact. So I've been doing a little research myself and I'm excited to to definitely do this interview today especially with you being a professional in sex education and sex um, with the podcast you have sex ed and I color I think you're just excited because you get to say the word sex so many times yes <laughs> I just <laughs> think it's important exciting. for black I mean... people to talk about sex and we don't talk about it enough mm-hmm. so um, tell us a little bit yeah, about yourself so, yeah so I'm based in Jersey and I am a writer and a sex educator like you mentioned I have my own podcast called sex ed and color And that's a show where I sit down and really talk about and also interview other folks within the sexuality space. Mm -hmm. Um, I refer to my guests as sexuality professionals. So that's really like sex educators or therapists or sex workers or coaches, just like anyone in the field that's like doing this work, but giving real um, special attention to professionals of color because as usual, like we never get the mic passed to us. And... (laughs) Yeah, um, and I also, in my free time, I also co-host another podcast called Nerds of Prey, and that's a show I host with three other black women, and we talk about nerd culture stuff because I am a big comic book nerd. Okay. So, so how has, about me. How yeah. has the transition been going from just being a co-host on a podcast to, to recently launching your own? Um, it's been interesting. I felt like I was ready to do it because we had been doing Nerds of Prey for the last, going on two, three years at this point. So I knew a bit about like 
podcast production and like more of the um, like 101 questions I already knew how to do because I've been co-hosting with for so long. But I think the biggest transition for me was doing it by myself, like going from having three other co-hosts and being able to like, you know, um, unload some of the work onto other people. And like, we're really like a family and a team and we really like look to each other to really get everything going and have the show be as successful as it is. But shifting from that to like, oh, I'm starting from scratch, like on my own, I Mm -hmm. kind of felt like that was a bit of a challenge, but I feel really excited now because from the beginning of Sex, Sound, and Color, people were excited. People were wanting a show like this Mm -hmm. um, and were just like eager to help and like let the word out and be a part of it. And just like, it's it's been incredible. Well, kudos to you for getting it started because I know... um... We've been or having this podcast for, what, four years now? Yeah. And I recently just stepped into the role as, like, a full-time co-host. There's no way in mm-hmm. hell that I would start my own podcast. So kudos <laughs> to you for getting started. Thank you. What? Uh, so why, such, why sex ed and color? Like, why did you, what was the premise of launching this podcast? Yeah. So I tell the story in the first episode of the podcast as well. But the idea really came to me um, August of last year. There was a there's an account called Kinkley and they do a lot of um, sex related content mm-hmm. and they sell some products on their site and they're pretty well known in the sexuality space and they had this list um, like a blog post that they had up or something and it was a list of sex educators to follow on Twitter and there was like no one with any kind of melanin on the None, list I'm sure. and so like couldn't find anyone right so all the sex educators that I follow and I follow mostly like, you know, folks of color yeah. and, like, black folks in the field. So everybody was just, like, really, though? Like, y'all couldn't find none of us. Not one. at me, though. Yeah. Like, not a single person. <laughs> so from that, it was kind of, like, really interesting because out of, like, people's just, like, response tweets, it became, like, these counter lists came out. Yeah. So people were, like, making their own list of, like, well, if I had to suggest people to follow and – they like tagged in a whole bunch of people and folks would be like adding to these threads. So there's just this whole like giant list of like, there's so many different people on this list. And I kind of saw that as like an opportunity because I'm like, well, I don't want to wait for someone else to do something that I can do. Like I've never been like that and I don't want to be like that. So I figure like, this is the perfect opportunity for me to like do what I can with the skills that I have to create a space so that that doesn't happen again. Yeah. So what can I do? And the thing that I've been thinking about anyway was having my own show about something separate from Nerds of Prey, and I just felt like that was really um, just like a perfect match. So like from there, I kind of like use that list as a jumping point to think about like, okay, what are people saying about like sex education and like what are ways to connect that back to being a person of color and being black, um, both in the field and also just like, Community-wise, like you mentioned before, like, as Black folks, I feel like we have a specific cultural um, understanding of sex. Mm-hmm. It's, like, really ingrained in our culture in mm-hmm. a lot of different ways, but at the same time, we don't really have the language to talk about it openly, or we, I don't know, don't want to talk about it openly. We don't There's want still, to like, talk about yeah. I think yeah. that's where we're at, yeah. where we don't want to talk about it, or if somebody of color is talking about sex or talking about it in an elaborate fashion. They're ashamed they're for shamed it. For it. Yeah. So, and it's, and, and I've yes. always talked about, I just said it on the last podcast episode that 
I think healthy sex lives and healthy sexual relationships amongst black men and black women in a relationship or in marriages will help those marriages stay together because a lot of times guys are opting out because they're not satisfied. Women are opting out because they're not satisfied. And a lot of men can't get past their egos to listen to the woman, to talk to them about what they want from sex. And women sometimes or oftentimes aren't comfortable telling Mm -hmm. men or telling other people what they do like in sex if it's a little dirtier than a normal person. Yeah, yeah. And it's also, I think you hit on a really important point as well, because so much of like what I talk about when I work with clients or do workshops, like it's not focused so much on like the how to and like position and like the things that you think (laughs) sex education is, but I like focusing on the cultural aspects and like focusing on things like communication and really talking about, well, this is why we're kind of at this point, like as a group where it's kind of harder for us to, like, talk about these things because I think that, like, it's important to recognize that sexuality as a whole, people assume that, like, everyone will approach it in the same way. And that's not true at all. Yeah, and also, like, there's such a challenge, especially for men, I think, to be able to talk about what you want and to have a conversation and hold space for the other person, like that can be really challenging because what models do we have for that? So I think that that's like a really important part of sex education as well. And something that I'm really just like interested in doing. Yeah. So at this point in your life, are you comfortable with your sexuality and the things that you want? Um, if you were in a relationship, I don't know if you're in a relationship or not, but being in a relationship, would you feel like, okay, would you be able to, or are you able to express the things that you need and want, um, in your sexual relationship with your partner? Yeah, so I'm in a monogamous relationship, and I feel like I have a really healthy, like, sex life. Like, mm-hmm. I feel really comfortable talking with my partner about the things that I want. And, like, I mean, I, I'm not perfect. Like, I still struggle with a lot of things. But I think we've created um, – we've, we've added these things in our dynamic so that we can have these conversations, and that's, like, the foundation So even when things come up and, like, it may be harder or, like, I don't know, I feel weird about something, like, we can sit down and talk about it, which Mm -hmm. is really great. And I just feel comfortable, like, exploring different things and being curious and, you know, just, like, having fun. (laughs) And I think that's the thing. There's too much pressure placed on sex to where people don't know how to have fun. I, I forgot what I was watching, but I was watching a documentary and it was a sex educator and she was saying, not all the time do you need to, do you always have to climax or a guy, mm-hmm. you know, come from having mm-hmm. sex. Sometimes we get so focused on that part, but yeah. that we don't even enjoy the little parts about the body the or line. thing. Yeah, the finish line, we focus on that, that we don't get even get race. to enjoy the journey or the race that <laughs> yeah. we're in. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, okay. Like that is one of, I think, most common things that Mm -hmm. people struggle with because we've been so like conditioned to think of sex is like you go until the person with the penis Mm -hmm. has an orgasm and then you stop yes and it's like well what about everything else what about everything else what if you're having what if you're having sex and like orgasm isn't a goal at all like what if it's completely off the table or like what do you do if you're having sex and like you speak my language miss glover yes like (laughs) you know like how do we structure and rethink about how to have sex Mm -hmm. and like how to make it fun and pleasurable for everybody that's involved that's very true i think i've been thinking that way for a long time i remember um i was dating this girl and literally we would have sex and i mean this is not a bragging thing i i don't come easy for whatever the case may be Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen that easy for me so 
she would always try to get me to this point. I'm like, hey, it's okay today. Like, if I don't make it to that point, that's cool. I've already enjoyed whatever we've done orally. I've enjoyed the kissing. I've enjoyed the touching. I've enjoyed mm-hmm. seeing you, you know, dressed in sexual, you know, sexy lingerie to being unclothed. And I think it's just an appreciation personally that I have for women and just the act of sex. And I think if I, as I've gotten older, I've looked at sex as a bridge to connect two people and something to kind of learn off of and, and seeing it more as intimacy and like she says, as a uh-huh. finish line situation. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that we get to that point to where we do talk about it. We don't, you know, be so shameful about talking about the things that we may like. And one thing that I hate is a lot of times, anytime, like, when sex comes up with guys, especially black guys, if they're talking about anal, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. that's gay. If it's talking about somebody exploring oh, you, yeah. that's gay. And it's like, or, no, you just so insecure with yourself that you want to put that stigma yeah. on everybody. Or when it comes in terms of exactly. uh, female sexuality, you'll have guys that automatically overlook the black woman and be like, True. oh, I'm going straight to a white woman because I know I can get mm-hmm. it the way that I want it from there. When there are a lot of black females that are highly sexual, but... It's just hard, man. We, in the South, I think it's hard we're more shame. Mm-hmm. So that was actually one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is what are some mm-hmm. tips to get past that sex negativity as it relates to black female sexuality? That's a good question. Oh, that's a really good question. I think the first thing is really important to like go inward and ask yourself, what do you want? Mm-hmm. I think that personally, sex is, and sexuality is so broad and it's so fluid. Like it can be so many different things. And I think that we get so caught up sometimes on like putting labels on things and like having it to mean something. So kind of bringing that back to like, if you have an interest in anal or like you're watching anal porn and you're just like, Oh, like that might be something I might want to try or whatever. Like, it doesn't have to be anything. You can just enjoy watching that with porn. Like you don't have to engage with that at all. Exactly. Or it can be something that you might want to explore too, but being able to at least answer those questions for yourself as to like, what is it that you want and what do you not want? Yeah. Like that's going to be really important first step. And then think about other ways to like explore that. So like, you don't always necessarily have to have a partner to explore these different you things with as well. Like, People yeah, crack jokes about so me watching porn, different. and that's why I watch it. It's because there's certain yeah. things that I... It's so funny that you hit it on the head, because you said, I've watched anal porn, like anal sex porn. Mm-hmm. Never mm-hmm. have had anal sex. Yeah. But I do like to watch it, because yeah. sometimes it looks good, but mm-hmm. I'm like, nah, I don't know if I'm ready for them kind yeah. of games. I watch but it's a lot good of things that exactly. I personally wouldn't do, but yeah. I enjoy watching them. Yeah, like, there's just something about, like visual stimulus I think that really helps people get in the mood and like get off and like just enjoy like the environment of it and it's perfectly fine if the answer is like I'm really into this thing visually and watching it but I have no interest in doing that whatsoever like with my own body like that's totally fine but I think being also open to the possibilities of being attracted to different things Mm -hmm. and like staying curious is like really important too so like when people automatically cut out like I I don't know, we're just going to keep using anal play as an example because <laughs> anal play itself can be so many different things. It, it doesn't necessarily mean like penetration, like having. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So there can be like fingering, there can be prostate massage. Like yep. there's so many different things that encompass anal play. So you it's like, it. I wish you when could you see get... this mouth that he has on his face right now. <laughs> I was literally, I was literally just about to say, we, I have got to interview in person. Like we're going to do another interview. I don't care if it's me yes. coming to Jersey, yes. but like I got to do another interview with <laughs> yes. you in person because all of this stuff that you're saying, that's who I am. And I told somebody the other day, it's, I'm one of those people that 
I want a black woman. That's at the end of the day. If I felt like, hey, who do you want to settle down with? I would prefer it to be a black mm-hmm. woman. But I am not against dating outside of my race because if I've had ten relationships, it's may have, it may be one or two black women I've been with to where sexually we were on the same level. So to actually mm-hmm. talk to a black woman who thinks about certain things the way I think about them or thinks about them in a way that's not it's it's not seen as vulgarity or anything like that. Like mm-hmm. it's just exciting because a lot of times for years I would like certain things and I would be so scared to tell a partner or so scared yes. to voice that like but it was me it was through me dating white women or being intimate with them that I learned a lot about myself that also made me learn a lot of, about that certain sexual things are okay. But there's another thing mm-hmm. to where, where like Artesia said, in the South, it's like a lot of black people are, or a lot of black women are not as sexual. And even the women here that think mm-hmm. they are sexual, when I've been intimate with some of those women they're who are still like, behind they're the still behind the curb. And I'm like, oh, so you you give head, but you don't swallow. Or you like to have sex, but I always got to be the one doing this. Or you only got one move and you're a mm-hmm. one-trick pony. Mm-hmm. So it's like we do have to learn to talk mm-hmm. about these things and how to learn and engage in this conversation. Yes, like communication is so important. It's like I always joke around when I'm working with clients, like communication is probably going to be one of the few answers I'm going to give for whatever question you ask. But like it's true, like being able to talk about different things and even just like having that conversation with yourself is so important. And also, too, I think it for people that are in relationships, it's also cool if like your partner doesn't have to be into the same things you are like Mm -hmm. that's totally fine too and being able to again have that conversation of like what that looks like as well if like I'm into one thing and my partner is kind of like well that doesn't quite work for me how can you kind of incorporate that in your life where you're as the individual asking you're not feeling like um they're like holding you back from mm-hmm. something that you enjoy, but you also don't want to force them to be engaged with it as well, you know? So exactly. whatever that looks like too. So I'm a researcher. And when you reached out, mm-hmm. I, I went to your page, I was scrolling through and <laughs> the article that caught my eye was the one that you did for Teen Vogue on polyamory. So I read the article myself, mm-hmm. but I was wanting mm-hmm. you to share with our listeners what the number one myth or what you think the number one myth of that lifestyle is. Yeah. So that's, I really like that article as well. I didn't write that. My friend Ellie wrote it mm-hmm. and I was one of the people that she consulted with. And that was such a fun conversation for me. Cause I love talking about polyamory. <laughs> um, I think that the biggest thing it's interesting. Cause I think that the idea of polyamory is becoming more, um familiar for a lot of people you're seeing more folks like come out and like talk about it openly it's not like this weird thing that like i don't know swingers or like polygamists only do now which is great i love that but i think that there's still this idea of what it means Mm -hmm. to be a polyamorous person and i think that that still holds a lot of people back because it doesn't have there's so many different ways to practice polyamory um, like I mentioned in the article, the word itself, it's often translated to mean directly, um, having many loves, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I personally approach polyamory as a, you have the capacity to have multiple romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. So I think that a lot of people often conflate that with like dating openly which Mm -hmm. is just like you know if you just want to like date casually or have sex with multiple people but still have a um 
primary relationship or maybe not even have a primary relationship. You just want to date casually. Like that's totally fine, mm-hmm. but that may not be how another person um, defines polyamory yeah. as well. Yeah. So being, yeah. So being aware of like what that definition looks like for you and like being open and upfront about what that is and what your boundaries are is so important because so many things get like, I don't know, blurred. I think like <laughs> back before I was dating my partner, just like being on Tinder and stuff, like being a single person near New York city. And I'm just like on Tinder and there's so many accounts of like folks that are <laughs> like, <laughs> we're looking for a third. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, and there's, I- there's nothing. There's, yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that the approach that a lot of people take with that is just mm-hmm. so wrong. Yeah. Like it's, no. But I think yeah. you have to know perspective, too, because I know for me, I've had a polyamorous or open relationship presented to me. But I think people have to I think you have to know your partner, first mm-hmm. off. And then I think mm-hmm. you also have to know, like you said, the rules that you're going to engage in. When it was offered to me, it was kind of like we can pick a person and you could possibly have certain days or whatever that you're going to do it. But for me, I'm like, if you tell me I can have an open relationship, I think it's dangerous because what if that dude or that woman likes that other partner more? Like, it's so many risks that but people I, don't think about. Okay, so my interpretation of polyamory would be, mm-hmm. like, not more so if that dude is talking to the other person that's in the relationship. I envision it as being everyone in a relationship together. Anybody got time for that? No, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Not not necessarily. No, totally... I mean, you'll have your time yeah. with that person, but it wouldn't be one of those things where it's like, we, you know, never interact. Like, we would. That's my interpretation of it. I get that. I just think you have to yeah, be careful. And those, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. No, I was going to say those are both really valid, too. So, like, um, Artesia, what you're mentioning, too, a lot of people refer to as, like, kitchen table polyamory. So they may only engage in polyamorous relationship in relationships in their polyamorous structure mm-hmm. where they kind of take the kitchen table approach. So, like, would I be able to have, like, a meal with this person with my other partners and can we all like get along and like be friends Mm -hmm. then cool and that's kind of like their personal approach to it and then other people are just like I don't want to hear about your other partners I don't want to see them I don't want to know them like I just want to hang out with you and like both ways are totally valid and I've seen them work too so yeah I definitely ain't trying to sit down and eat at the table I want my own partial pussy outside (laughs) whatever I don't want no like I'm not trying to sit down and have dinner because at some point something may be said or it could be one of those things where you did something with her but not with me or you did like Mm -hmm. I don't know I want to keep all that shit separate and that's where I think for me it would be difficult because say for instance if if, if, you know it's me and you and you say hey you can have this polyamorous relationship on Tuesdays and Thursdays Mm -hmm. where every night at 9 o'clock when I come home and I go immediately to the shower before I get into bed with you you have to be able to say hey I understand he just came from another woman it may be better than what I'm doing but at some point if that guy starts to connect with that other woman because it's supposed to sometimes some people just look at it as polyamorous is just sex no, no you're not. connecting it's with that person actual connection. It's not. Yeah. and yeah. you could actually that other person on the outside could actually take you away but see from where you're at and that's why I'm, that's what it goes back to for me i don't think somebody can take you from if you're all in that together so you like the kitchen most dudes ain't trying to yeah get i kitchen prefer table. the kitchen yeah. table <laughs> so <laughs> yeah like i i mean that's really interesting too because i think that 
there is this common theme of like jealousy that comes up a lot exactly. when people are like talking about polyamory and it's like everybody experiences jealousy right but mm-hmm. being able i think to do that self-work and like also know that you don't i mean even in monogamous relationships mm-hmm. i don't feel like i have ownership over my partner exactly. um, like they are their own person i think having that like trust and i think polyamorous relationships they're really a lot of folks that approach them they're having these conversations and doing this work a lot more upfront than people in monogamous relationships True. are yeah. so i think that there's a lot of things that folks from like all different sides can like learn from each other because like being able to like implement you know I'm seeing myself as an autonomous person and I'm choosing to be in a relationship Mm -hmm. with this person. Like that's something you can do as a monogamous person. You don't need to be polyamorous to do that, you know, and you don't need to necessarily jump into having like four or five different romantic partners of all the same like level of importance in your life too. If you're polyamorous, like there's so many different ways to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think mostly a trial and error thing and getting to know yourself and what structures work best for you. Exactly. It doesn't have to be like all or nothing on like either side, you know? True. So true. Cause everybody's journey is their own. So, and that's not to say anybody yeah. has all, everything figured out up yeah. front. Even if you think but you have it figured out, something's going to happen to make you rethink and be like, mm-hmm. okay, we need to change this. Yeah. Shit. Like that's why I kind of like don't, advise people making a whole bunch of rules if they're Mm -hmm. getting started so like let's say you have a monogamous relationship and you want to open that relationship up i don't necessarily think that going in and having all these rules and like specific things and like hypothetical situations is like the best way to do it because it's like stuff happens like there can be a situation that completely blows all those things Mm -hmm. out the water and now you gotta start back from square one it's really more being able to have these conversations of what do we want this to look like yeah. and are, how are we going to check in with each other that's really going to help that transition be as successful as it can be. I think you also just have to know yourself because, like, for me, if I'm doing polyamorous and somebody allows me to be outside of them with another woman and, like, let's just say the sex or the oral sex, I'm an oral sex person, so let's just say the oral sex is way better than what it is at home. It's a high chance mm. that I'm all. It's a high chance I'm gonna be over Keisha House more than just Tuesday or Thursday. I mean, and that's something that you open yourself up to when you get into that. I just think that's dangerous. So you wrote an article too on sex ed in America being <laughs> whitewashed because me and her gonna go I back did. and forth on yeah, this because I, I just think it's I think it's a dangerous thing. Like I said, it's been offered to me, but the thing about me when it comes to that before we switch to sex ed is I'd rather just mm-hmm. stay single and have sex with whoever I want to have sex with and. I could do what I want to do and give give the women that I'm being intimate with agency over their body and I still get to come and on with a peace of mind. That's to each his own, but again, you know what? There you go. Like we said, <laughs> polyamory is not just limited to sex. Very true. Continue. Exactly. So, so, yes. so you wrote an article. I think I think it was, <laughs> you wrote an article in Playboy back in May of last year saying sex ed in America is mm-hmm. whitewashed. Um, where did you where did you come up with wanting to talk about that? Because I know one of the facts in your article, you said only 20 states require the information given in sex education to be medically, factually and technically accurate. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so it's so wild because just looking up like within the United States, what legally um, can be and like how sex ed can be taught in classrooms it's really wild when you think about it because mm-hmm. each state has essentially different regulations so there i've definitely done workshops or like have colleagues who've done workshops with organizations 
and they're preparing to like go in the room and then people from that organization are like well just let you know you can't say these words Mm -hmm. like how do you talk about sex and you can't say penis and vagina Mm -hmm. and intercourse you know um there's different regulations depending on like where you're at how you're what age group you're looking at especially i think being um, age appropriate is really important because yeah. you can talk to you can talk to children about sex. I think there's a big um, misnomer about that, but I think making it age appropriate is really what's going to help really um, be able to talk to that population as well. But yeah, like there are a lot of states that don't require medically accurate facts within um, talking about sex ed, mm. and even. Like, thinking about my own experiences as a student growing up, um, I only had, like, one, I think, class in high school. There was, like, a week of sex ed. And I was a senior in high school. (laughs) And, like, I remember the first day my gym teacher walked in, because, of course, it was taught by my gym teacher. And she was, like, (laughs) there was no one else (laughs) to do it. And she was, like, she took a look around the room, and she was, like, well, most of you are already having sex, so we don't need to go, like, too deep into this. And I just remember being, like, what? Like, I still don't know what I'm doing. What? Exactly. Like, what makes you think I'm having... Because anybody that was having sex in high school knows you are not having good sex you're in not. high school. Yeah. You, you're, you're really not. You kind of don't know what you're doing. And still, like, there was... I. It wasn't until I got into the field as an adult, as an educator, that I really started thinking about pleasure-based sex education. Mm-hmm. So really talking about, like, sex is supposed to be fun and it's supposed to, like feel good and like do these things that you want to do with yourself or with other people. Mm -hmm. And there was no mention of that with the sex education that I had. And I hear the same stories like so many times from other people too. There's no mention of pleasure. There's no mention of like, if you're queer in any way, like what does safe sex look like for you? Because everything is so focused on assuming that you're having penis and vagina, like intercourse. intercourse. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah, and everything's super geared towards, like, assuming everyone is straight mm-hmm. and heterosexual and also able-bodied as well. Like, exactly. when we think about how do people with disabilities, like, how are we incorporating people's different identities into the classroom as well? Like, that's really important that I think sex educators need to start, well, have been on the forefront of really thinking about, but I think other places need to start catching up to that as well. because. Yeah. Not everybody's having sex in the same way. That's true. Yeah. And like you said, it, it's definitely whitewashed. It's so much, yeah. it's so many things that are whitewashed, which I think it's so important for black people to step into these spaces and, and cultivate mm-hmm. relationships and mm-hmm. friendships and cultivate groups of people yeah. to help them understand themselves. Like you say, to talk about that, like a lot of people, our last interviewer, um, she said that Interview. a lot of interviewee, a mm-hmm. lot of people are having sex unprotected. And I feel like a lot of that is coming from a lot of people watching porn yeah. and seeing that a lot mm-hmm. of pornos, it's either couples making porn and they're not wearing sex not or realizing condoms. that they had to be tested. They had to be tested before, before that. They got on set. Yeah. To do you that. can even see a gangbang of 10 guys yeah. on one girl and it's like they all got tested yeah. thoroughly before yeah. that happened to know that it's nothing in there. And mm-hmm. people don't know that. So they're watching it and then they're like, hey, well, these people ain't catching nothing. And then they go Unless out and they have like sex really with somebody low. Yeah. budget porn i can't speak for that but mm-hmm. for the most part they do have to be tested. yeah it's like and i think too i give um workshops on like porn and pornography and talking about it with the with students or other educators and something that i always mention too is that there's porn well if we're talking about mainstream porn right so stuff mm-hmm. you can get on like Pornhub or yeah. whatever mm-hmm. um 
Like, you're not getting the full picture. So when you're watching that, you're just seeing, like, a scene or at best you're seeing, like, a whole movie production, yeah. right? But you're not getting anything that's pre-production. You're not seeing what, what the actors are it. actually yeah. agreeing to. Yeah. yeah, like, what they're saying on camera. Um, you're not getting any kind of aftercare whatsoever. So if you're, like, an impressionable young person watching porn and you think that this is just how people have sex, yeah. um, you're going to go into that and you're missing so much of what's part of a healthy sexual experience. Not even just and young that's people. Really though. dangerous. Too. Not other people. Adults yeah. too, because no, adults too. When yeah. you watch a porno and they show, like they'll show in a five minute clip, the girl giving the guy head. Mm-hmm. The girl takes the penis out the mouth. He puts the penis in the mm-hmm. vagina. Then if he wants to put it in the ass, he puts it in the ass, yeah. and then he'll put mm-hmm. it back in the vagina. And I'm like, they are jump cutting and yeah. clipping this shit because you never take yes. the penis out of yes. the ass and put it right back in the vagina. No, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> They need yeah. to have a disclaimer that says penis does not. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> or even just like backtracking. It's like, yo, where's the lube? Where's where like the warm up? Yes. You're just like, I've been nobody. Like, no, you can't dry. You can't dry. <laughs> even as a man, a lot of people think, I think a lot of people look at the displeasure from a woman's perspective of a man trying to stick but a dry penis put, into like, a woman, skin. but it hurts yeah. a man too. Yeah. Like, that's pushing your foreskin Ooh. to the back, and that part is sensitive. Yeah. And it's just like, and that's also just like, really potentially health-wise very dangerous exactly. too mm-hmm. because when these spaces like the anus is not a naturally lubricating part of the body so if you're just like shoving things in there yeah. like you're going to like have a higher likelihood of getting a tear and that's going to increase your likelihood of, of getting, getting an infection something. or exactly. an FCI. exactly exactly like and that's just not fun for anyone like yeah. no get your partner and just have a lot of fun get your partner <laughs> with an open mind and have you some fun ain't nobody trying to have yeah, like, 10 different about, people man Talk about what you want. And, like, the thing, too, it's, like, you can make incorporating all these things part of, like, sex, too. Like, yes. you could be, like, say you're with your partner or whatever, you could be, like, yeah, baby, like, pull out that lube. Or, pull like, it out. <laughs> you can unroll, like, or, like, you can unroll the condom sexy. Like, you can have fun with it and make it part yeah. of the experience, Put too. the condom on with your like, teeth. Okay. <laughs> she said, Okay. <laughs> Oh, man, I got to get I you in the studio. <laughs> now, it's funny that you say you want to get her in, in my head. <laughs> It's funny you said you want to get her in studio because I'm always interested in how people come to us. So we, I think you said it earlier, she's based in New Jersey. Mm, I've never and, been to Jersey before. And you were saying, you told us that you were referred by Shanna Monahan. How did that? Oh, I forgot about yeah, that Yeah, how part. did that yeah. link up happen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm actually in the process certification in sex ed and we're part of the same program okay so she actually yeah so we were doing a um i met her through a group um like the facebook group for the program and she reached out to me and just you know said nothing but good things about y'all she was like i think you should reach out to them and be on their podcast Uh, i don't think that's my lane as a white woman (laughs) (laughs) no but she she's still one of the top listened to yeah she did a good job i think um i think a lot one thing is we do need black people in a space to speak for black people Mm -hmm. but there are also Mm -hmm. things that white people do know because they've been interacting and and um having this conversation for so many years openly that they do still know things that we may not know because this has just been something for them i was Mm -hmm. watching a movie 
I think it was a TV show called uh, Outlander on Stars. Yeah. And it was a part like mm-hmm. it was back in like the 1800s, 1700s or whatever. And it was oh, like yeah. an English guy. It's a time travel show, right? Yeah. And he wanted to go down on his yeah. girl. And he was like, hey, the French are doing this. And she's like, what is this? And he was like, well, I don't know. It's some of the French, <laughs> yeah. you know, because they were doing yeah. oral before anybody I've else. So they say. <laughs> so when he tried it, it was just like, oh, she was like, oh, OK, yeah. keep going. Mm-hmm. So it's like you just have it, it's still those things to this day to where. You have to explore those things, and, and I'm more of a person who likes to talk about sex in a raw manner, so That's people can get say. so people can okay. get a visual of it yeah. to know what to go. So I feel like I'm a great person to paint a visual picture, mm-hmm. but they need people like you who can actually tell them the intricacies and the ins and outs mm-hmm. of what sex is, and great sex is, and healthy sex is. Yeah. Yeah, like, and that's so important. Like, I I feel also very strongly about community-only spaces. I think it's important that there are are spaces that are for Black folks only, that they're for queer folks only and disabled people only, because, like, everyone deserves to feel like they can just exhale. Like, you know that movie, Waiting to Exhale, and Whitney's just like, I just want to find a man that I can just exhale with. Like, Mm -hmm. that's how we all want to feel, right? So that's super important, but at the same time, I think it's also important that we don't just relegate um, marginalized, like, sex educators to, like, just filling that role. Like, I want people to, like, look at my work and say that I'm good at what I do Mm -hmm. and also that I'm someone who is, like, a black woman. You know, I don't want it to be, like, either or or to just be in the room just because I feel some, like, diversity quota. Like, I actually do know what I'm talking about. And I can talk about other things. Besides, like, being black. But being black is an important part of the work that I do and the lens that I bring into it. Very true. You feel me? What would, so, you, tell, what yeah. would you tell black people who are struggling to, to find their sexual identity? And I ask this question because, for me, for so many years, I felt weird and I felt like I had to keep things on the inside that I wanted to do. But I ended up being so unhappy because I was like, I want to try something like this sexually but I was either scared to present that to my partner or when I presented it to my partner, you know, and you were told, no, it's kind of like, so what do I do with this? Because it's not going to go away. Like meaning if you like a certain type of oral sex or you like a certain type of sex and you're never getting that because you and your partner can't get to that point or you and whoever you've been messing with can't get to that point. A lot of people are swallowing their curiosities for sex and they're compartmentalizing these things that they want to do to help or make other people feel okay. Mm -hmm. But it's damaging. I feel like people like myself because you're never being satisfied Mm -hmm. and to go through your whole life, not being satisfied or for a woman to not have an orgasm at 30, that is bullshit. And you're being selfish to yourself because I feel like you should hold these people that you're being sexual with accountable of pleasing you because if I'm allowing you in my space to be intimate with me, that is a pleasure. And it is a pleasure for a woman to allow a man or another woman or whatever into your space and into your body. Like, there's, it's so interesting. That brought up something for me um, that someone, I can't remember their name right now, mm-hmm. but somebody mentioning in the field that, like, it's no one's responsibility for your orgasm than your own. Than your and own. I, at first, I was kind of, like, rubbed a little way, like, what you mean by that? But then when I really thought about it, I'm like, no, actually, that's right. Like, I think that if we're all individually responsible, that means that it's, I don't have to look at my partner in resentment because they didn't give me an orgasm because it's not their job to give me anything. Like I give that to myself and I allow them to be in that space to like experience that with me. So I think that like, even though that may be like hard for some people to wrap their heads around, I think having ownership that like pleasure is 
your right. Like yeah. it's not a privilege. It's something that we all deserve to feel like that's an important first step. And then what brings you pleasure? Like it doesn't even have to be connected to sex if you're not ready to talk about that yet. But like what brings you pleasure? What brings you joy? Like I'm watching, you know, the Marie Kondo show on Netflix and she talks about um, keeping the things that spark joy for you. Like what are those things? that are in your life that help you to spark joy. And, and then be selfish within with your sex life, but Yeah, and in sex too. Like, what are the things that just make you go, yes, like, no hesitation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like, those are things that you want to cultivate. And I think for people that are maybe struggling with what to do with these curiosities, like, know that, like, there's nothing bad or weird or abnormal about what you're into as yep. long as it's consensual, like, no one's being harmed by it, then, like, there's nothing wrong with it. Even if you don't like all those, uh, even if you don't like that extra sex, like, I tell people all the time, you're not you're not wrong or you're not crazy Mm -hmm. or you're not damaged because you just like regular sex. That may do something for you, and then there's people who like other things. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like, there's there's probably someone out there that has the same curiosities as you. Mm -hmm. So, like, being able to find role models, whether that's just, like, I don't know, you find, like, a book online or like an Instagram account or RIP Tumblr. But like, you know, back when that was a thing, like going on there and like seeing (laughs) pictures of people like doing um, like rope or like, um, you say rope play or whatever. You say rope, like rope, rope, like like, Shabari, like tying somebody up. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like Shabari. So like, let's say for example, someone's like interested in that, but they don't know anyone that's like in the scene or, if that's, like, even a thing that people do. I think being able to, like, see people doing it is, like, so helpful. Mm -hmm. And then also, too, if it's safe for you to do it, I think looking into local communities Mm -hmm. um, is also something that's going to be, like, really helpful, too, because then you can meet people and actually Mm -hmm. talk about these different things in a safe environment. And there's no... Yeah, and there's no pressure to, you know, jump in and just, like, all right, guys, I'm doing this thing, like, day one, but you can talk to people and, like, get different, like, insights on it and different ways to do it and, like, help to normalize it for you. Because, you know, black people, you know, they'll they'll, they'll call you out your name if you do. Oh, that's white folks shit. You want to choke somebody? You want to be tied up? And it's like, no, motherfucker, that's being exploring. When we had our first live event, that the after party crew that came in, the swingers that came in. Oh, yeah, I forgot When about I saw that. so many black people there yeah. that were participating in that lifestyle, I was like, wow. It was just a bunch of trench coats that night. I was like, yo, these yeah. motherfuckers ain't got panties <laughs> on up here. They about to get I was nasty. Like, Ooh, okay. So I'm not no, the only I person that's that. considered this. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, I've always, I, I've always been yeah. open to a community. I don't mm-hmm. want to be a part of an orgy, but I would yeah, like no. to be a part of a community <laughs> of people who are open. Because nothing, nothing really gets under my skin more than, like I say, hearing black people be like, oh, that's white folks shit. Or, oh, yeah, you tripping? And it's, it's like, no, enough. because I want to explore myself or I want to explore these things. It's just pleasure and enjoying yeah, or, yourself. Yeah. yeah. And like you say, whether you're mm-hmm. whether you're getting an orgasm or climaxing from that or whether you're just having fun mm-hmm. in the moment. I wanted to stay. You was like, let's get out of here. It's, it's turning into something else. Wow. Well, I, I honestly wanted to. Well, I if I stay, I'm a, I like to participate. Yeah. So if I mean, and then I did have my eye on like two girls where I was like, oh, they had their eye on you too. I was like, uh, it but was that, it was two queer girls. It was a black girl and a white woman, yeah. and I was like, yo, I'd like to be a part of this. Yes. But that's the benefit mm-hmm. of being in a space that is community. I need a membership card. <laughs> yes. How can I be down? But yeah, you're right too. As far yes. as the sex too, I think a lot of times, not even just it being whitewashed. 
people don't talk about queer sex and, you know, gay men. Like, we, mm-hmm. it, it's almost like we exclude those types of people. And it's like, they have sex, too. Or those lifestyles. Those lifestyles, yes. yeah. I don't yeah. I don't even look at it as a lifestyle. They're just people. Yeah. They're people who know it's what the a, fuck they yeah, want. I don't, yeah, I don't really see it as a lifestyle uh, mm-hmm. either. I kind of see it as, like, this is who you are. Who you like, are. this is what you're into. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, this is how it is. And I think, yeah, like, that goes also into, like, finding communities, too. Because I yeah. think that even when you find those communities, it can be hard if you're, like, you have multiple marginalized identities. Like, mm-hmm. let's say you're black and queer and disabled like now there's like so many other like it's so much harder i Mm -hmm. think to find like the community that you need Mm -hmm. so there can be like i don't know just like this frustration like it's just harder to find these spaces where we can feel like okay i'm accepted and like i'm in a space where i feel like i'm home you know but that means that it's even more important to do so no. Yeah. When you are part of those different, yeah. And like you said, it's not a lifestyle. We got about five minutes left, but, but it's not a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But like you said too, for me, I used to be the same way. Like I know I've always been a sexual person. Mm-hmm. And me and Artesia, I don't know if you know, me and her used to be in a relationship. And I remember taking her mm-hmm. home with me one day, and she, you know, she met some of my uncles, and she met my granddad, and mm-hmm. she was like, "I see why you are." how you are. I see why you're so sexual because look at your granddad, look at your uncle. I see why you are attracted to other women outside of your race because all your uncles date outside their race. Mm -hmm. So I think also knowing where you come from, knowing, you know, your history of men in your family, or if you're Mm -hmm. a woman, knowing the history of women in your family. I know growing up, I tell the story all the time. I used to kind of be, because of religion, I used to be very standoffish about gays and homosexuality. Mm -hmm. And then as I learned and I kept living, I found out my favorite uncle he was gay. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, yo, I love this guy. And this guy is, he is who he is, but yeah. he hid it. He even moved to California to hide it, yeah. you know? So, so for, yeah. Like so it. for me, I started to understand as I got older, no one should have to move to Los Angeles or New York to be mm-hmm. who they are. If gay is who you are, if queer yeah. is who or you are. Or be estranged yeah. from their family. Or be estranged. Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't, we need to learn how to love each other for who we are. And mm-hmm. as black people, I feel like we're getting better at it. Mm-hmm. Because we're becoming more educated uh-huh. and people like you are creating these communities and these safe spaces to have this conversation. But I think we definitely need to be more loving and caring and open about the lives and who the people are. You know what I'm saying? Because that's how suicide happens, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't be yourself. Depression. So you're like, yeah. I can't be who I am. So why the fuck am I even here? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, that goes into like so much, too. And I'm so sad we only have five minutes left. It went by so fast. I know, right? But, it did. Like, with the with the R. Kelly um, documentary and like the conversations that are coming out with that, I think that goes back to community only spaces too, because it's like we need to be talking within the black community as well as outside of it mm-hmm. about how we look at and condemn black girls. True. Like mm-hmm. even in the documentary, they keep referring to them as women, and I'm like, you are not yeah. a woman. If you are 14 years old, you're not. Like, exactly. You are not a woman if you're 12. And like, it doesn't matter how quote unquote fast you are. Like somebody still has exactly. to be the adult and responsible party to say no, this is not right. So we're going to extend it out 10 exactly. minutes because I did want to hear your uh, thought process on what yes. you were saying before the podcast with R. Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, um, I just want to finish this thought while it's in my head. No, too. go ahead. I think that. Yeah, while there's, it's really great that, like, I'm not the only black sex educator that's out here, I think that we definitely need more black men that are talking to other black men about these things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
especially with the R. Kelly thing, I think that there is a cultural idea about what masculinity looks like, what black masculinity Very looks true. like. And a lot of the responses that black men are saying, being just loud and wrong, it's <laughs> like this is also coming from a place of not ever having to recognize that the way that we have been conditioned to think, that y'all have been conditioned to think about sex is coercive. Yeah. Like, men have been conditioned to think, I believe, that, like, sex is, you. if you like somebody, you just, like, go and you, like, take it and you don't ask any questions. That's right. right. Like, masculinity is very, like, aggressive yeah. and it's all these different things and it doesn't have to be. Like, communication and, like, being vulnerable, like, that's a human experience, but men don't really have the space to unpack that and talk about that in our society. And it feels so, like, good. what does it it feels good to yeah, unpack. Yeah. I've unpacked more over the last six months, two years, and she can attest mm-hmm. to this. Like, just trying to tap into my emotional side. Yeah. And it doesn't make you weak. I actually feel good when I'm like, hey, I love you, or yeah. I care about you, or I miss mm-hmm. you, or hey, this is how I'm feeling. I may like not be... Feel, yeah. Thank God for the lessons yeah. learned. Like, it feels so good. And, yeah, we just, like, especially now with the con- with the conversations that have been coming out, and, mm-hmm. like, more and more people are have been sharing their stories online and like it's not one idea about one type of person that is a survivor mm-hmm. like we i think we can kind of come to the conclusion now like it can happen to anyone cuz abuse can happen to anyone but how are men having the conversations and like checking each other mm-hmm. on this too because if you've been watching the documentary you're seeing a lot of men being like a lot of men are part of r kelly's circle Mm -hmm. that allowed this to happen that like saw these girls and didn't say anything they didn't do anything because they're just like oh well Mm -hmm. not my problem or what have you or even like his family members too have just been like um like what did his brother bruce say he was like well it's just a yeah he's like oh he's always (laughs) preferred younger yeah no well motherfucker younger should be a couple of years not 14 years old yeah and even exactly. beyond the so, men that are saying it's okay, I think it's definitely a problem when it's women that were around and saw this. And I think, yeah, yeah it's it's all bad. And a lot of women, like, blaming the girls, too. Like, yeah. especially with, like, the trial showing up in support and just being like, well, they're lying because, mm-hmm. well, no, they're not lying. How can they all, like, it's so hard for survivors to come out and speak publicly about their stories in the first place. But mm-hmm. Not that this is saying anything, but, like, there's so many people and there's so many parallels Mm -hmm. in all of their stories. Like, how can they all be lying, you know? So I think that this is hopefully the start of much-needed conversation within the Black community. And I hope more people talk about it and, you know, actually look into resources on, like, how to address, like, sexual assault and Mm -hmm. child um, sexual violence. Because this is important and this is something that affects all of us. Yeah, for sure. Damn, we got to do this again. Our next, our next podcast. <laughs> I mean, our next guest just came. Yes. So I want to say this. Well, first of all, where can they find you at on social media? Where can they find some of your work? Because I was doing some research, and you have written a shitload of articles, yes. a lot of great articles. I got questions here I didn't even get to an- uh, you. ask you because of that. So we definitely will do a second part. Maybe I want to do something maybe at the end of the month if we have an opportunity because it's just – I feel like it's important to dive deep into this stuff oh, yeah. to get to the meat of it. And a lot it of times is. it doesn't happen to the second hour after the introductions are out of the way. Yeah. Oh, no, I agree. So, so you can find me on mostly hanging out on Twitter and Instagram. My personal accounts are under Black Girl Manifest. Mm-hmm. So that's B L K G I R L 
M-A-N-I-F-E-S-T. And you can also find Sex Ed and Color, my podcast on Twitter and Instagram as well under Sex Ed and Color. That's, and, and, and before I before I get out of here, I have to say this. All right, what platform are you under? For your podcast. Like for your podcast, for, are you under any pl- platform? Um, I use Simplecast. Okay. And okay. that's been working, like, really well for me so far, yeah. Good deal. Well, we'll definitely be letting people know about it because I think people need to know. I definitely want to listen to it as well. But before we get out of here, I just want to let you guys know, be sure to keep up with all things The Reality Is by going to www.therealityis.com. That's T-H-A, The Reality Is. Also follow us at info at The Reality I mean, also follow us at The Reality Is on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> and you can listen to previous podcasts on all platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, be sure to email us at info at The Reality Is. And last but not least, be sure to leave us a rating or review on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on. We do not care if it's a good review. We don't care if it's a bad review we just want to hear from you miss glover we appreciate you we will be doing a part two of this uh this interview so artesia thank you shauna monahan thank you yes. for this connect we appreciate yes. it and uh do you have anything else to say before you go artesia no yeah. I'm, good. I'm looking forward to the next part miss glover we will be talking <laughs> Me to you too. very 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 soon we appreciate you for being a guest on the day show <laughs> all right thanks y'all all right Bye. always remember to inhale curse to excel success we'll talk to you guys later I've been looking for real Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC.